Good morning. Welcome to BFCN. It's so good to see you guys. If you would stand with us, we're going to sing and we're going to worship God this morning. I'm just going to give us a little opening prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together your people in one place. We are so thankful to be in your presence this morning. We're thankful, God, that your Holy Spirit dwells in us and is with us everywhere we go. But it's so special to be gathered together with your people. So we just want to pause in this moment and be grateful and acknowledge your presence in this place, God. Just ask that you would just raise our awareness of you that we wouldn't be here just to sing songs, just to hear your word or to listen to someone talk, but to be in your presence, to hear from you, to lift you up in a meaningful way. God, I just ask that as we go through the motions and the rhythms and the things that we do that are so familiar to us, that we would not grow cold, God, that our love would stay warm, that you would stir the embers in our hearts, that we wouldn't be apathetic about what we're doing here this morning, because it's so special. It's such a blessing. God, we're just so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship him this morning. the prisoners now we're running 
from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21 it says now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever amen we're going to sing this song again. I think you guys will remember it from a few weeks ago. Welcome you, God. 
worship this morning. joy when my heart is heavy 
seated. Kevin, could I um, ask you to continue playing during our time of prayer? Sometimes I just want to linger in that, the beauty of a simple instrument a little while longer as um, I just want to kind of challenge us this morning. Um, just because I, you know, I'm standing back there worshiping and I'm 
looking around this room and it's a room mostly full or maybe today it's completely full of lifelong Christians, people who have been Christians for a long time. And I am just as guilty of being the kind of Christian, lifelong Christian, who sings things like, I surrender all, all while knowing deep down that I'm still holding on to something. There's something that I haven't completely given to the Lord. Maybe something I'm worried about, something I feel stressed about, something that's causing me fear or anxiety. And I just sense, and for some of you, I know that there's big things going on in your lives. I just wonder this morning if I could challenge you just a little bit. Could I challenge you to really surrender all of that to Jesus this morning and not just sing it, not just say it, but really surrender? What is it this morning that has been bugging you? What's on your heart? I know that not everything in everyone's life in this room is easy, breezy, and feeling great, right? Some of us are going through stuff. Some of us are just dealing with stuff, even if it's not a deep, dark valley like we talked about last week. Some of us are just dealing with the stress of life. What are we doing with that? Are we holding on to it and kind of smiling at everyone around us saying, oh yeah, I surrender all, all to you, Jesus. But have we really? I'm not looking for any kind of particular response. I just, sometimes I just feel a nudge to pause instead of just moving on to the next thing and just challenging us. Have you really laid it all before him this morning? I want to invite you as we pray together to do that, however that's fitting for you. Listen, if that means pulling a neighbor aside, someone near you and saying, hey, will you pray with me? A lot of us come and we sit alone. We come alone and we sit alone and we leave alone and we just end up going through life alone. Some of us choose that and some of us don't, but that's just our reality. So if you need someone to pray with you this morning, there's a room full of people who I hope and know would love to pray with you, right? So if someone comes up to you and says, hey, will you pray with me so I don't have to carry this alone this morning? Don't be surprised. Don't look at them awkwardly. Pray with them. We're a community, right? We don't just talk about being a community. We are a community. We do life together. We worship together. We listen to a sermon together. We should be processing it together, and we should be praying together. So if you need to pray with someone, just grab them. Just tap them on the shoulder and ask them to pray with you. But if you would like to just come forward, these altars are here as just something. It's a tangible object where we can come forward in faith and and in obedience as we really do surrender all to Jesus. And so I just want to invite you to do that. Don't hold back this morning. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just say these words. I want you to actually give everything that's on your heart to the Lord this morning. Invite him into that space. Let's pray.
God, we acknowledge this morning that while we may pride ourselves on being solid, sturdy, lifelong believers, God, we recognize the need to be completely broken and undone in your presence and in your midst as you invite us, your people, to lay our burdens down before you, to bring them before you as we trust that, God, you meet us there in those moments. You, you invite us to lay these heavy things which we are not capable of carrying on our own. You invite us to bring those to you and before you. And you tell us, you remind us in your word that you are capable of carrying this heavy load. And yet so often, for whatever reason, we insist. We stubbornly insist on carrying our burdens by ourselves. To the point where when we completely break down and recognize that actually we're not capable of carrying these burdens by ourselves, we then feel a sense of guilt and a sense of shame because I was told and I believe that I should be able to carry this on my own and I can't, I must be a weak Christian, what is wrong with me? God, this morning I see that for what it is. And I call that a false belief, a false narrative. And I acknowledge that we were not created to bear our burdens alone. We were not meant to carry our burdens alone. And so God, I believe this morning you are challenging us. For whatever reason, I, I just feel that you are challenging us to, for one, reach out to those who are around us and invite them in. Ask them to walk beside us as we carry sometimes unbearable burdens. God, I also believe that you are challenging us to truly bring these before you. God, I just, I don't want to rush past this moment. I just want to allow you to meet us in this moment. Those of us who are vulnerably coming before you, would you meet us in this moment? Lord, we look for you. We're listening. God, those who are just experiencing such difficulty right now in this, at this point in time. Lord, some of us are carrying the burden of our family members. Maybe it's not us personally, but there are those here who are carrying the weight and the burden of a loved one 
who is going through a difficult time, who is sick. God, would you draw near to those this morning? Help them to know that you see that burden and that you see that loved one and that you care for them. God, would you strengthen those who are are carrying the burdens of others this morning? Would you strengthen them? Would you help them to know that they don't have to carry that burden alone, that you are more than enough? You are more than capable of renewing their strength and meeting their needs as they just carry this heavy weight. God, as we acknowledged last week, there are those who are just going through a season of sickness. There are those in our midst today who are going through just a time of of undiagnosed illnesses and, and health issues. There are those who are just waiting on the next step. They know what the problem is, but they're just waiting for what seems like such a long time for that next step. There are those who are are just feeling anxious and overwhelmed because at this point in time, life is not predictable. And we don't like that. Lord, would you be near, draw near to those who are feeling overwhelmed by sickness, by a financial burden. Maybe they're feeling overwhelmed because of a a major life change. Lord, there are those in our midst who just recognize that in this season of life, they're more dependent on you than ever, for whatever reason that may be. Sometimes, God, we... We look at what you've called us to do and we are so aware of how how incapable we are. How small we are. How much we need you to guide us, to give us wisdom, to help us to know how to do this thing you've called us to do. Lord, I am sure that there are so many more in this room that are struggling with things that maybe no one else here knows about. But we can rest in knowing that you see us and you know exactly what we're going through. So Lord Jesus, I just invite you. Would you draw near and comfort those who are hurting this morning? Comfort those who are grieving. Strengthen those who are tired and weak and weary. Lord, give us joy, those who are feeling maybe just a little bit resentful or angry or frustrated. Help us to experience your joy. God, whatever else it is you want to do in this space, I just invite you to do that. And help us, help us to not miss it. 
God, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness that meets us here, that is waiting before we ever come in the door. Help us to recognize that. God, we just thank you that you are determined to make yourself known to us. And you continue to challenge us to see you and what you're doing so that we don't so that we are not complacent. God, as we open up your word in just a moment, I pray that right now that you would begin preparing our heart and that you would speak what it is that we need to hear this morning. God, in a way that only you can do, would you just continue to meet each and every person. Continue to speak to them. Continue to strengthen them. Continue to teach them and mold them and shape them as we fully open ourselves up to you, to your Holy Spirit this morning. God, we love you and we praise your holy name. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And together, all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, if you would, uh, go ahead and stand back up this morning if you are able to. As we open up from Luke chapter 12, we're going to be reading verses 13 through 21 as we continue the summer series in the Gospel of Luke. Someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, to all of them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This is the challenging word of the Lord this morning. Are we thankful? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Maybe we're, we're declaring that we're thankful, but we're just not quite sure about it yet. Depends on which way the sermon goes, right? <laughs> 
Um, This somewhat abrupt moment takes place, as I just said, in Luke chapter 12. We are making our way through the gospel of Luke and and pausing, and and you're going to recognize that I am not capable of stopping at every single word and and passage that we will come across in the book of Luke, because eventually Christmas is going to roll around the season of Advent, and and we'll have to shift gears a little bit. So I'm trying to plan it out where, where I make sure that I hit the, the, the passages that, that I think the Lord is, is challenging us with. And this is one, I confess, I, I really kind of wrestled. I was like, I could probably pass this one by because this is hard and, and people struggle with, with talking about money and things and, and I struggle to preach on this. And, and if I'm totally honest, <laughs> I recognize that maybe this was just a word for me this week. Okay, and as I as I felt like I just shouldn't pass this one by, I began to lean into it this week, and I just recognized quickly that the Lord sees where I am at this point in my life, and He is uh, challenging me and my heart. And so, if nothing else, just know that I got a great sermon out of this this week. Okay, but I do ask that you would be open. But we come to Luke twelve, and there's kind of this abrupt moment where somebody comes up to Jesus, which is not out of the ordinary, and he's looking for some advice and some help. Okay, and, and uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. But I don't typically title my sermons. You may have noticed that. Um, I don't know why that is. I'm just, maybe I'm not creative enough, but I think the biggest thing is, is I don't like feeling tied down to one particular like title or emphasis because sometimes it changes. Even if the sermon passage or text stays the same, where I'm feeling led to kind of sit a little bit longer in the sermon, that changes from time to time, and I just never know. So I don't like being tied down, and so I typically don't title my sermons. Uh, but if I were to title this one, Kind of what kept coming up this week for me was, you know, when you see this in your Bible, you'll notice that it says something along the lines of the parable of the rich fool or the rich fool. And and this week, all I could think of was rich fool, question mark, like emphasis on rich fool, because I I know that we probably see where Jesus is going with this, and you probably already know where this is going, but I have to confess that, that when we look at this at first glance, it doesn't feel foolish, right? We know that Jesus is addressing the intentions and the heart of the individual and probably everyone else that's listening. But, but when I think about someone who is doing what this man in this parable was doing, like it, I have a hard time leaning into rich fool. Help me unpack that, Lord, because what this man is, is criticized for doing in this parable is something that I think we can confess that we are all concerned about. It's something we all do. How many of you have a storehouse behind your house with a bunch of grain ready for the future? Anyone? No. But in this parable, we know that, that this, this idea of having a storehouse of grain for the future is the equivalent of having a savings account or a retirement plan, right? And that's something that I think we probably all strive to have. And if we don't have that, we're constantly stressed and concerned about that. Or some of us who are are nearing that point in life, maybe we're starting to fret that, wow, there's just not enough. <laughs> like, I just don't think there's enough. But, but the point is, is when I 
think about being prepared and storing away and having things like savings accounts and retirement accounts, we're all here with this man who seems to just be thinking about the future, right? And we've all likely either given this advice or been given this advice, sometimes maybe from our financial advisors who are saying, like, you need to be prepared for your future, for your retirement. Be prepared in case there is an emergency. That is very sensible to me, right? That's very, that seems very sensible. And I don't know about you, but I spend a decent amount of time, and, you know, as time goes on, I just spend more and more time. I didn't think about this too much 10 years ago, but as time goes on, I'm thinking about things like this more and more, and I'm just like, the future is looming, and, and, and as I think about pastors and retirement accounts and how much, you know, there's just not there. It's not, there's not a lot there, and so this is kind of looming, and I, I sense that as I, you know, go from year to year. I, I'm very well aware that, wow, this is something that I need to think more about. This is something that I need to spend more time preparing for, and I just need to be putting a plan in action I spend a lot of time thinking about this very thing, being prepared for the future, being prepared for those unexpected emergencies. And this especially weighs heavily on me. I don't know about you, but this especially weighs heavily on me when the new year comes around, right? Because that's just typically a time where we are thinking about what do I want to accomplish this year? What are some things that I want to see happen personally this year or in my family? And so Every time when the year rolls around, and probably for me, it's because my planner that I use has like goals for the new year. So when I turn to January, they've just conveniently created a section for me to write down my goals for the new year. And I feel obligated to do so because my planner kind of does everything for me. And so I should listen to it, right? And so I'm thinking about goals for the new year, you know, at the beginning of each year. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the year. We're going to crack down on our spending, and we're going to put some money away in savings, and I'm going to, this year, I'm going to, you know, really focus on my retirement and what I need to do to make sure that that's in order and that I'm contributing, and, and I, I, I have the best intentions of doing that each and every year. And then the end of the year comes, and I look at my financial year over that past 12 months, and I'm just like, Wow totally missed it this year. Not this year, maybe next year. <laughs> I totally missed it. And then I'm left feeling not only guilty and like a failure, but the sense of anxiety and stress each year gets a little stronger, a little heavier. And so I'm totally relating to this guy who not is, who's not in the parable, but the one who Jesus is speaking to, who he's like, hey, Jesus, can you help me out here? I'm trying to plan for the future. And, and I'm just wondering if you can help me out. And I think that we could all say that, yeah, we can find ourselves there in that moment thinking about the future. So what is it that, that Jesus is saying in this passage? Well, I'll just acknowledge that this feeling of maybe stress, anxiety, we may not like to call it that, but sometimes it feels like that. This feeling of the future is looming and retirement is looming and I need to be prepared. This is not a new problem, right? This is not just a, a, a 2022 issue. This is something that people have been dealing with since the beginning of time, I would imagine. And certainly in this passage, that Jesus is speaking to someone who is thinking about the future. More than likely, he's just thinking, how can I best be prepared for my future? 
And what we need to understand also is in 2022, we kind of, you know, the anxiety shifts over time. And so our things that we're worried about in 2022 are probably not the same as, as what this guy is dealing with. Like sometimes in 2022, we're like, oh no, I can't find a charging station for my smart car. And oh no, that overseas trip to Europe is, is you know, like I might have to do that at Christmas. Oh man, what am I going to, like that's not the kind of problem that those in ancient culture were dealing with right? They're just dealing with, I have just enough to live with and live on. And at any given moment, that could completely change, right? Most people, some were set up to be better prepared, but most people had just enough to live on, probably like this guy, but at any moment that could change. A disaster, a famine, a catastrophe, And at any moment, that could all be changed and wiped out, and then there was nothing. And we ought to recognize that during this time in this culture, it was typical for a family member to receive an inheritance of land from their family member, from another family member. And that's how one typically acquired land. And so it makes sense that this guy is like, hey, help me out here as I'm trying to get what is going to be mine anyways. This is is due This is mine. Help me to acquire this so that I can be prepared. And I think that we could could sympathize with that if we're honest. And so Jesus, you know, we're, we're really left to fill in the blanks here because this just seems like a regular guy who is bringing a regular problem like we all have to Jesus. And then Jesus responds with this kind of harsh parable Right, And so because we're kind of left to fill in the blanks, I think that we can maybe assume that Jesus, as he does, is addressing the heart of the person who he's speaking with. And if we're honest, like we understand that that's likely a lot of the people that are listening because Jesus is speaking both to this man and to a group of people because he says to them, he shifts and is speaking to everyone. And so we could, we could probably confess that we all have something to hear, but we know that Jesus is addressing a very particular issue. And so he responds with this parable. And I want to read the parable again, but I want to read it in the message version because I think the message version just, I just really liked it this week. And so the parable is, the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself. Eugene Peterson really emphasizes just how self-centered this guy is. He talked to himself. What can I do? My barn isn't big enough for all this harvest. And so he says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made, and you can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, You fool, tonight you die. (laughs) And your barns of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. See how the message just really helps that to, it drives home the point a little bit more. Did you notice how many times, like maybe after the second time, and if you go back and read it more and more, you, you become, you, it's very clear how, how self-centered this guy is, right? He is clearly thinking about one thing and one thing only, and I think we're beginning to see the problem here. 
right? Even though it might start out as an innocent thought, like, I just want to be prepared for the future. That's sensible. That seems reasonable. But then it kind of morphs into, you know, he's got this brilliant plan that's going to help him to acquire a life that is easy and carefree, no worries, no responsibilities, no concerns. And obviously God is not very happy about his attitude because he's told that that very night he's going to lose all this stuff, all that planning. You know, as always, we're going to get to the point, I promise, but as always, you know it's important for me in order for me to really understand what Jesus is saying and the point that Jesus wants us to to understand today, we have to always consider it in the broader context, right? And so this is not Jesus just being harsh for the sake of being harsh, but he goes on and he teaches and we pick up in verse 22. I just want to read it to you. He he reshifts his focus to the disciples and he says to them the very next thing after this parable, therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn or savings account. Just kidding. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Maybe some of you just need to hear that message this morning. You are so much more valuable than the birds, okay? You are so valuable. He says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Oh, man, we've heard that one way too much, and we just don't like to hear that one. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the, how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not even worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows He already knows that you need them. Verse 31, he says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. He's lovingly guiding them and speaking to them. Do not be afraid, little flock. This is an endearing term. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And you know this one, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, so we shifted from just preparing for the future and storing things up in case of emergency and for future use We've now shifted from that to give it all away, right? That's, that's where we're headed. Give it all away. We went from one extreme to the other. No, really, we're asking ourselves, how do we reconcile this teaching? Jesus goes from one thing to the next. What is the message for us? How do we reconcile what Jesus is saying? See, I think what Jesus is doing, he's, you know, as he often does, he uses a story 
to, to, to communicate an important message. But then there are times where you just have to explain the story a little bit, explain what it is you're trying to say. The story makes it relatable, and it's something that you can connect with and relate to, but then there's a teaching there to make sure that, that what is supposed to be heard is actually heard and received. And, and so Jesus is explaining this parable. He, he sees what's lurking, right? He's always addressing what's in the heart. He knows what's in the heart and, and, and what we're likely to be tempted with and what we are likely to struggle with. He knows. He created us. He knows. He knows every part of us. He knows this is a very human nature issue to, to concern ourselves with, right? And so he sees what's lurking as he cautions this man, but also others, against things like greed and being so concerned about myself and my family that I completely forget to even pay attention to those around me, let alone use what God has given me to be a blessing. And here's, here's a message that I think that we could easily miss, or a little detail, I should say, that we could easily miss from this passage, from this parable. Don't miss the little detail that, especially in ancient uh, Israel, that land was a gift from God, and, and people really recognize that, right? We don't maybe think about that all that often today, but, but land was significant, and it was like God's gift to his people. And so in this parable, this man has received an abundant harvest from the land. He didn't do anything. Like, yes, he toiled it, and he, he would work for it, but but he, didn't, he can't make the land produce a harvest, but that is God's doing because God is the one who had given him this land to begin with. This is the land of Israel, which was God's blessing for God's people. And so it was because of God's goodness and God's faithfulness that this man received an abundance, a great harvest that he could even have the option to store it away. So here's the problem. Right? That's important for us to know, but the problem is rather than acknowledging that and rather than, than asking how God might use him to be a blessing to others, which by the way is always what God wants from us, God will always want us to ask ourselves how we can be a blessing to others. That's always God's plan for his people. Rather than doing that, this man was so focused on what benefits him how he can be prepared, how he can have control over his future so that he always has what he needs and he doesn't have to depend on anyone else and now he can just kick back and relax and take life easy. And that's really the American dream, right? We just want to make a bunch of money. I'm being a little hasty here. We want to make a bunch of money and kick back and not have any other worries. Retire at 30, 40, whatever. I know that's not typical, but that's what we're working towards. <laughs> People in my generation are working towards that. I know that. That's what we're concerned with most of the time. And that is the issue that Jesus is addressing here. Because Jesus knows. And I would say, especially for us living in, you know, America, where we just have so much. Jesus knows that it's so rewarding for us to know or feel that we have accomplished something great, right? Jesus knows that, that this pride is lurking and it's a great temptation for me to look at my life and think, wow, 
look what I've accomplished. Look how successful I am. And it's even better when others look at you and they say, oh, you're so successful. Congratulations on all your success. Because that, that kind of builds up our pride of, of being capable of providing for ourselves. And if that's the case, then we likely don't see much of a need for God and his provision. And it's easy to become so focused on ourselves that we forget that all along, God has called us to be a blessing to the world, to those around us. I like how Sky Jatani, author and pastor, he, he says that this parable is about the illusion of control, which is really what we're talking about, right? When you're thinking about all that you've done and all that you've uh, acquired and all your success, you're likely tempted to think that you have so much control, and, and now you're going to be set up to have this amazing future that you yourself will control. And, and we kind of long for this control, right? We, we might thrive when we have control, when everything's under control. My bank account looks like what I want it to look like. My retirement account's looking pretty great. Can people say that right now? I don't really know. But, you know, when we look at these things and when we see that they are thriving and that they're in a good place, we feel good about that control that we have, right? We're, we're kind of desperate for that control. And, and what you will find is when we start to lose that control, when it starts slipping away for whatever reason, chaos ensues and we begin to panic. And then we begin focusing solely on how we can grasp that control again, how we can get back on top so that we won't have to fear or worry. And that circles back around to kind of how we started this whole thing. This is what we're focused with a lot of the times. This, this is where our focus is. And you know what really proved that and, and helped us to realize just how true that is? Unfortunately, the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020, we realized just how much we like control, right? We realized just how much we appreciate knowing what's going to happen and being able to control what's going to happen. I know we don't think we can control everything, but we really panicked and, and we began to freak out because we just didn't know what was going to happen next. And oh my gosh, all the toilet paper's flying off the shelves. I need to go stock up so that I don't run out. I need to control this because if the toilet paper runs out, I don't know what we were thinking. We're just completely stranded with nothing. I don't know. We are so dependent on that toilet paper. That will always stick with me. We had this terrifying fear of running out, whether it's as silly as toilet paper, but I think we probably looked at a lot of things in our life and we just realized how little control we had. And I think for a lot of us, it, it revealed just this really ugly truth that we like having control. And you see the problem with this man in this parable, the problem is not, listen, hear me this morning, the problem is not that he wanted to be wise and a good steward of, of what he had. The problem is he was confident that he had all that he needed and he was sure of himself and his ability to provide for his future. That, that's the problem. Do you see that? He doesn't acknowledge God. He doesn't acknowledge how God has 
blessed him and will continue to provide for him. And he certainly doesn't acknowledge how he can use this abundance to be a blessing to others. And that's a problem. The problem is his attitude and his longing to pursue a life of comfort and ease with no responsibilities. But as Jesus would go on to point out, that's not what our concern ought to be. Uh, it's okay that you don't, you're not worrying about how you're going to pay your bills, but that just because you're financially comfortable doesn't mean that you're free of all cares and, and worries and responsibilities. You ought to be looking outside of yourself and noticing others' cares and worries and responsibilities and asking yourself and asking, more importantly, God, how can I help this person? How can I be a blessing to those who don't know how they're going to make ends meet? We're not saying that you shouldn't have a savings account or that you shouldn't prepare for emergencies. But rather, Jesus' warning is addressing the root of the problem. That greed and the goal of a carefree life is what we're striving for, right? A life with no responsibilities or obligations to those around us, just making sure that I and mine are okay. And then, you know, you might be particularly convicted or challenged by Jesus' words in verse 33 where he says, sell everything and give it all to the poor. That's not the first time we read that, and every time we just wince a little bit because it's like, I don't even want to spend too much time thinking about whether or not that's a literal command for us, right? That's kind of probably our attitude a lot of times. And I would tell you that, that I don't believe that that's Jesus' literal command for every person to get rid of everything they have because I, and I appreciate when scholars speak that because then it's like, okay, good. That gives us a little bit of, of breathing room. But I appreciated how one scholar, Craig Keener, pointed out, Jesus nowhere prohibits possessions, but he teaches priorities that challenge his followers' lifestyles. And we can certainly say that we're challenged in this moment, right? Rather, he's He's teaching priorities that challenge his followers' lifestyles, whereas people and their needs matter. And possessions beyond one's needs are worthless when you're talking about someone else's need for the necessities of life. Are you with me? Your possessions and your, your money, when it, that's important, and we should be good stewards of these things. But it should never be the most important thing or more important than the needs of those around us. And so really, what it boils down to, and we're closing in here, this teaching, once again, it'll come as no shock, this teaching is about a kingdom mindset versus an earthly mindset. Because an earthly mindset says, I have to clench my fists and I have to hold on to everything I can. But a kingdom mindset would say, I have to open my hands and trust in God's provision. An earthly mindset would say, strive for comfort. Strive for the retirement of your dreams. Obsess over riches and wealth so that you can live a life of comfort and ease. But a kingdom mindset would say, how can I stretch my faithfulness, ensuring that I'm caring for those around me, even if it means at some point 
I might have to do without. Because that's what we're really all afraid of, right? But I trust that God will meet my needs because, by the way, he always has. By the way, I didn't say this was easy, okay? (laughs) If you're feeling challenged and like this is really hard, I didn't say it was going to get easier at the end. I never had a disclaimer that said, when we get to the end, it'll all feel better. (laughs) No one said this is easy. And again, we're reminded Jesus' teaching is not for the faint of heart. This This goes against a lot of things that we are inclined to believe. An earthly mindset says, buy all the toilet paper, store up on the Clorox wipes and the diapers and the face mask because you never know when you're going to run out. But a kingdom mindset would challenge that and would say, buy what you need for today, just the one pack, just the one pack. Buy what you need for today and buy some for your neighbor who might not be able to make it to the store. And trust that God will provide what you need. He'll provide all the ways of taking care of yourself, knowing that he's faithful. An earthly mindset says, don't give away too much money. Don't give too much to this cause or to that cause because you never know when your family might need it or when you might need it or when you might be in a tight spot. But a kingdom mindset always says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the necessities will be given to you as well. So as I invite the praise team to come back, this was challenging because what, I've, what I discovered at the end of my preparation this week is Contrary to what every good preacher should do, there's actually two messages here today that we hold in tension. Really, you're just supposed to have the one, because otherwise you lose people. And so you really should just have the one, but there's no way of, of getting around this. That There's two messages that we hold in tension as we seek to learn from this passage. And one of those messages is this, that we are called to obedient, faithful living that doesn't just think of self. Not one that is closed-handed, but open-handed, considering always how we can be a blessing to others. That's the first message. And then the second message is that we are called to trust. That when we are living out the call of Jesus, as described here and in other places, We trust that God will always provide what we need and we don't have to fear running out. We don't have to fear that God will run out because we serve a God of abundance. In this life, the focus is often on how we can get rich quick and how to get rich to live an easy, carefree life. But a better question that we ought to ask this morning as we close and one that Jesus poses in this passage is not how can I get rich quick and have a carefree life, but how can we be rich toward God instead? What does it mean, as Jesus says, to be rich toward God? This doesn't mean giving back to God because he needs it. 
right? Like as a kid growing up, I was often taught that, and I get it, like it's an easy way to describe what tithing is for a kid, but I often thought that God needed that bag. <laughs> and I don't, I don't blame anyone for that or fault anyone, but, but I did spend a decent amount of time thinking, wow, I really don't want to take money from God. And because sometimes that language is used too, right? Like you're stealing from God and he needs it back, but he doesn't need it. But he does want us to continue to always be blessing others and using what we have to be a blessing. So as we close this morning, just a few questions for us. What does this look like as a faith community? As a pastor, I'm challenged because I know that even though I might be able to apply this to my own life, when we're dealing with a church and a church budget and a church bank account, it's really easy to fall into this mindset of, oh, we got to make sure we have enough. Got to make sure that bank account is nice and healthy just in case. And it can be really easy to kind of hold tightly to what's in there because we fear running out. This is a very legitimate fear that we have. So I would just challenge us. What does this look like for a church community? And then I would get a little more personal. What does this look like for your families? What does this look like for you today? What do you ask that God would would show you what this looks like for you and then trust that he will and be open to, to following what he might show you? Where's our heart today? Where is our treasure? Do we have a kingdom mindset or an earthly one? As always, Nikki picked a great song to close with because I think this is a new one. It's the first time, right? And and so it's very fitting. It's going to be new, but it's very fitting. And I just want to read these words to you that we're going to sing so that you don't miss it. We're reminded that the mindset... that we're talking about, it's countercultural. It's not the American way, for the most part. But we're reminded, your kingdom is backwards. It flows in reverse. What you call a treasure, this world calls a curse. The small become great, and the last become first. Your kingdom is backward. Lord, teach us to serve. As it is with your kingdom, let it be with your church. Let's continue to be challenged by that this morning. Wow, you stole my thunder. I'm just kidding, but that is like the uh, epicenter of the song, so pretend you didn't hear that. I'm just kidding. Stand with us this morning. We're going to sing, as Nicole said, it's a new song, so you may not know the words, but follow along with us. Think about the truths that we're singing over you this morning. Join us when you can, but most of all, just allow these words to penetrate your heart and just meditate on those as you go this week. Children, you stop for the one 
nations say, oh, the King of heaven reigns. Amen. I don't do this very often, but you guys should give them a hand. That was not an easy song to play, and we nailed it. Great job, you guys. God, we just pray, Lord, as we let that word just simmer and resonate for a moment. God, we pray that you would help us to truly live this out, that this is the kind of message that's really easy to preach. Well, not really, but it's easy to, to preach. We, we understand what's being said, and we understand why this is important, but it's really difficult to live out. So God, we recognize this morning that we cannot do this without your help that if we really want to leave this place and be a faithful people who don't just think about ourselves and our own and preparing for a restful, carefree life with no responsibilities, God, help us to live that out day to day. Help us, as the song says, to die to self daily, not just thinking about my needs, but thinking about those around me and how you've called me to be a blessing. God, we recognize that without your sanctifying Holy Spirit present and active and at work in our hearts and our lives, this will not happen. It doesn't happen on its own. So God, we submit to you we submit to a kingdom mindset, a kingdom way of living that at its most extreme thinks about self last. I'm running out of resources as I rush to serve and bless those around me. God, help us to just be willing to think of others alongside ourselves and eventually first. We know that if you've called us to do this, that you will give us the power and the strength to live it out daily. We just have to be willing and open. So that's what we pray this morning. Help us to live this out both individually, personally, and as a local church, as a global church. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, that segues right uh, really well into our first announcement um, as we share just a few announcements before you leave this morning. And that is, I uh, just wanted to remind you what I shared with you last week about the uh, Afghan family. And we're, we're using that instead of their last name just because we want to be really cautious. Like if you want to know, I think we're okay with with sharing that with people individually, but we're just trying not to like throw it out there, you know, because we, we're just trying to use extreme caution. It may seem like way extreme, but we're okay with that. And so we're, we're referring to them as just this specific family. Uh, but I shared with you last week that, that we were not able to continue to pursue the Afghan resettlement program. Maybe for those of you who missed that last week, uh, that, that they are no, the Samaritan's Purse is no longer placing uh, Afghan families and so we, as that kind of door, is that door kind of closed? This other opportunity really just fell into our laps as, as we're supporting a former BFCN pastor, Matt Sulia, as he uh, works specifically with this family and with the organizations that are working to raise these funds so that this 10-member uh, family can be resettled to Canada. 
and there's all, all the details are in place. It's all in place. They just have to receive the funds so that this case can be fully processed. Um, and so we are helping them raise funds for this family. So I just want to encourage you to, to continue to pray about that, what that looks like for you and for your family as you feel challenged to give and support. Um, and we're going to be collecting or that for the next six weeks or so. We'll keep you posted on, on as we learn uh, what's happening with that. But you can do that in a number of ways. You can give uh, here on Sunday mornings as you do, but you can also give online. Um, if you have any questions, just let us know, okay? Uh, but I do want to keep reminding you of that. Um, for the month of August, again, we're going to be collecting for Operation Christmas Child still uh, school supplies. All the details are in the foyer, as always, if you need to check on that. Uh, Men's Breakfast is going to be meeting again uh, this month, August 20th um, at 8 a.m., and that's going to be over in the Fellowship Hall. So men, put that on your calendars. And then the Lunch Bunch will be gathering on Wednesday, August 31st at noon, and that's going to be at uh, Chevy's, if I'm saying that right. Chevy's? Chevy's? I don't know. Chevy's. It's Chevy's, right? Yeah, it's Chevy's. Okay, I realized that. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand one final time with me this morning. Receive this benediction, brothers and sisters in Christ. May you go in the grace and the peace of our Lord, who sees you, who loves you, who walks with you. May you be open this week to how he wants to use you to be a blessing to others. And may you trust in him to provide all that you need, both now, today, and tomorrow, because we serve a God of abundance. Walk in that truth today and each day. You are dismissed.